Hello, champions. Welcome back to the Press Room Podcast, supported by Ride WA. It's so good to have you back. It's so good to be back for another episode. I just wait all week to get around on Monday to drop another pod. Uh, it's been really good hearing everyone's feedback around the episodes. Um, it's great to hear uh, everyone's enjoying them and um, keep it coming. I really love uh, hearing about it. And um, if you've got any podcast requests, let me know because I'm already building season two. So being the halfway point, I thought we had to go big, okay? And we went with Australia's biggest. On the men's side of cycling, this week's guest is the most talented rider that we have. Next five, ten years, uh, this name is going to be prominent in you know the big races, the biggest races in Europe. Luke Plapp, he's our guest, and it was so good to talk to him. And you know what? He kind of reminded me of my old cricket club uh, because we were just chatting along like we were waiting to uh, go out and have a bat. So, um, yeah, look, we chatted everything. Um, we chatted about Luke, his recent signing with Team Ineos Grenadiers. I mean, seriously, the biggest team uh, you know, on the planet and really one that suits him to a T in terms of the rider he wants to become. So we chatted about that, you know, what some of the teams were throwing at him to get his signature. Uh, we talked about the tech, we talked about time trying equipment, skin suits, bars, all that sorts of stuff. His pacing for nationals in Campbell's Corner. Wow, Campbell really got a good answer out of him then. Uh, we talked about the Olympics, Tokyo, you know, remember that incident with the, with the bars, Alex Porter, um, and, you know, after they snapped and they sort of cleaned up the crash a bit, the camera zoomed in on Plappy, and um, look, I, we talk about that, and he's, you can hear the drive, he wants more, look out Paris, they really want that gold, uh, so we chat about that, and um, look, a bit of everything, so um, I really hope you enjoy this podcast, it's an absolute ripper. Um, just do it in one sitting, sit down, cancel your day, take the day off work, all right? This one is a one-sit wonder. So also, if I can, I would love if everyone could just leave a review on the Apple podcast, if you use Apple or if you use Google, which it's now uh, available on. Um, leave a, a review for me if you're liking it, um, five stars. If you love it, you know, you can give me a four star, I'll take that. Um, and yeah, make sure you click follow on the uh, Spotify and, and share it. Share this around, you know. Let it see as many people as possible. Um, the traction on the pod is going so good. Last week's episode with uh, Kate Wagner really hit um, Europe pretty hard. Um, it was popping off in Slovenia and a big following in the US as well. So um, it's going really well. And, um, yeah, that's about it. So, hey, this is it. You know what to do. Start up that ergo, plug in the kicker, hit up Zwift, the new course, Nyoko. That looks pretty cool. Um, get on that erg and um, put the pot in, turn it up, let's go again. Okay, so sitting here today, we're on uh, another episode of the Press Room Podcast. This week's guest, a very special one in that, um, in my opinion, one of the um, big Australian prodigies that we've got on the cycling scene at the moment. And um, he's the current national individual time trial champion, uh, Olympic bronze medalist in the team's pursuit, um, many other accolades that I'm sure he'll fill us in. And he's just signed with the Ineos Grenadiers. Welcome, Luke Platt. How you going? Oh, good, mate. Thanks for thanks for having me. It's, yeah, good to be on. No worries, no worries. We just... Endured about three hours worth of technical difficulties, but um, we did. <laughs> the things you do, eh? Um, my man, Luke, can you please uh, start us off by just giving us, I guess, a brief introduction um, about yourself, how old you are, where you're from, um, and where you're currently living? Yeah, so I'm 20 years old. I'm Born and bred in Melbourne, but haven't been there for quite some time now. I moved to Adelaide uh, when I was 17 for the uh, track program. Uh, and yeah, two and a half years later, um, now sitting here talking to you in Andorra. So it's, it's pretty cool up here at Attitude. Um, what's a bit of a background on me? Started bike riding when I was 13, uh, just for a bit of fitness for footy and cricket. That's mm. that's the love. Still is, to be honest. I'd probably still be doing it if I was good enough. <laughs> um yeah, so it's, I guess it's far away. I, was, I missed the footy and cricket. I had to wake up early every day to, to tune in to watch the finals when I was over here. Um, for the granny, actually, I woke up at six, put three hours away on the bike, went and watched the game. Then after the game, had to go do another three hours. So it was, it was definitely worth it, though. But no, nah, so that's a bit of me. Love my sport. Melbourne boy. 
Mm. Um, and yeah, now I'm up here in snowy Andorra where it's snowing at the moment. Wow. Okay. And when you were um, uh, playing footy and cricket, how far along, like when did you stop playing? At what age? Uh, stop playing footy uh, under 16s. We won the premiership that year and I was like, yeah, now's enough. Um, yeah. And then cricket, I, st- I stopped when I moved to Adelaide. Like I, that was my preferred sport and I love that. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'd still do cricket if I could, but it's pretty cool. I went to a sports school in Melbourne uh, and heaps of my mates uh, in the AFL now and, and same for the cricket team. They're all, they're part of the Aussie squad. So it's, it's pretty cool to be able to keep contact with them and I guess be able to watch them on the, on the world stage, which is, which is unreal. Um, yeah. So it's always good to keep contact and it's probably still my preferred sport. Like I'd always choose to watch footy or cricket over cycling any day of the week. Oh, interesting. Okay. That's pretty cool. Um, you actually kind of look like a cricketer. I played a lot of cricket in my time as well. And um, <laughs> yeah, you definitely, I can picture you playing cricket. Did you ever play like a, like at a district level or state level for? Yeah. Yeah. So played played like the rep teams and like played for, I was keeper uh, when I was younger for the Vic team. Um so yeah, did a bit of that, but then the older you get, like, cause we were all at the same school, we we're all mates. We all went and joined the same club back home. So like we couldn't lose a game cause we had <laughs> yeah. eight of the Vic team in the same team. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty unreal. But when you're, when you're not as good as the when you're the eighth best in your team, you don't go very far. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was, it was good fun playing with those boys and it was just a lot of banter. Mm-hmm. And so you're already 20. Yeah. Yeah. Birthday, so- Christmas, Christmas day. First year, Christmas Day. First year, under 23. No, no, no. Third year. Third. Because of the, the way my birthday sits, it stuffs everything up. Oh, stitch it's up. A, yeah, yeah. So I'm 20, but I'm third year 23, which makes no sense. That's insane. So what, the two yeah. current national uh, time trial champions are 20 and 21? Yeah. <laughs> well, Sarah, Sarah won it when she was 19, I reckon. She's oh, yeah. not much she hasn't won in her life. Insane. Um. Cool, man. Well, um, I guess talking of development, where I wanted to start, um, when like I've sort of followed your development for a while uh, through like the junior scene along with others, and um, I mean, I guess as far as like uh, development in terms of like results for you, it yours has seemed like the most consistent progression of in terms of results um, mm-hmm. of cycling career. Would, would you describe it like that when when considering just the road? Uh, yeah, a bit like as through under 13s, 15s, 17s, I never made a state team at all. Like couldn't even, couldn't even go to nationals. Uh, so yeah, nothing much happened there at all. Uh, at the same time, it was probably because I was focusing more on my footy, uh, in the cricket, but yeah, just never was good enough to make even a state team to compete at nationals. Um, and then I stopped both of them and in under 19s, I committed to the road TT. Um, and yeah, lucky enough to win, win that. And then, it sort of all flowed on from there, really. Like I went from winning under 19s TT, which was a bit of a shock. Like I don't think I didn't expect it, and I guess no one else did. Uh, and then from yeah, there, to win that one, yeah. So I won under 19s. Oh wow! Okay, that's in 2018. Yeah. So January 2018, I won that. Uh, then went to track track nats like two weeks later or something. It was real early, uh, and had hadn't really done track much track before that, uh, and was just lucky enough to to clean up just with like the road case. Like I just, I didn't have any tactics. I just went off the front and I was lucky enough that it, that it worked in the scratch race Madison. Um, and then was in the TP with the boys. Uh, and both of those things allowed me to get selected for junior worlds on the track and the road. Oh, wow. um, and that's sort of where it started to flow on. Like as soon as that selection happened for worlds, I was like, all right, let's, uh, let's go all in for this. Um, and I was actually all in for the road TT. I tried to get out of track worlds cause I wanted to commit to, <laughs> the road TT, um, but I couldn't get out of it. Uh, and look, I'm glad I didn't. Like, two rainbows was pretty special with yeah. my best mate. Twin, twin of Madison with your best mate, I don't think there's a better feeling. Who did you um, win Madison Junior World Title with? Blake Quick. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. And then you yeah, won yeah. points. Well, yeah. And then went to, went to Road Worlds and got absolutely cleaned up by Remco. Like, did you? Absolutely. Um, wow. What was it? A minute and a half? Minute and a half. Yeah, but like the thing is, we're on the same gearing. Like you can only spin so fast. It's like you're restricted. There shouldn't be that big a time gap. He just cleaned me up. Um, so no, nah, it wasn't that was all right. And I think that's sort of what 
And, and from uh, Austria, from the roadworlds, I moved straight to Adelaide, and that's that's where the track began. Hmm. Okay, and I mean, it's still that's a damn good year when you won that under nineteen national title at the start of the year, um, and then you won the Oceanas too after that, right? In on the road. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. I beat, I beat the uh, bloke that was just just in my room, actually, in Fisher yeah. Black. Oh, they, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. At that at that point, were you thinking um, about like being a professional? Uh, yeah, I think for me, the the love's always been on the road. I don't love the track as such. Um, so yeah, I've always dreamed of dreamed of doing that but at the same time uh at that time no not really because the the olympics was was still the the goal of going to the olympics uh the way ca works like your best bet is to go on the track so that was that was why i I went the track pathway for the games um but yeah i must say like i've always always had the eye for the road and when that opportunity became available earlier this year it was dream come true yeah 100 um, when you were doing, so say in that period between uh, when you ticked over under 17 and then through to now, um, was, I guess in terms of your development, was the road or the track, did either of those two, like, give you more, you know, in terms of your development? Uh, yeah, I'd say what I learned from the, from the track was the biggest thing. I always coached myself back in the day and, like, just did my own thing. Um, so I think going to the track and having structure, uh, being exposed to, to sports science and to, I guess, the, the technology of bikes at the moment. And, like, I learned a lot about that, which has helped me in my TNTs a lot. Um, and I think just you're there for a purpose. You're there for a reason. You're surrounded by everyone that's that's driving to go to the games to win goals. So I think it lifts you at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so that definitely, like, I, everything that I've done, I owe to the track uh, because of the, the structure it gave me and the exposure to to the coaches um, like Timmy Decker and Rowan White have been pretty amazing to me. Um, and that's, yeah, I guess I'm still working with them now. Oh, nice. Okay. When you were, um, when you nailed the, say after junior worlds 2019, your second to Remco, did, were you aware of like his height and like anyone, how much he was pumped up? Did you know about it? Yeah. Yeah. I, so my coach back then was Matt Gilmore. Like he, he looked after us for junior track worlds. Um, and then he he looked after me for the junior road worlds too, um, and he's a Belgian, so Matt's Matt's a Belgian, and he knows Rem. He knew everything, and I didn't really know about Remco. And then Matt's like, no, nah, no, nah, there's this there's this pretty good kid, like he goes all right. Um, and then like as close as you get to the day, there's like newspaper articles coming out that like he's the new Eddie Merckx, and like I think on the morning of the race it was like if he didn't win it'd be a disaster. It was some headline like that. I reckon um, it's not that for him now. Yeah, oh, still the same thing. Like, yeah, poor but. Guy. Oh, he's, he's unbelievable. I raced him for the first time uh, in Italy since since then, and he lapped us, like, in a road race. It was a circuit, 10K circuit. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So. You must be um, still, like, is it motivation to sort of compete against him, you know, now, or, like, when you sort of find your feet in Europe? Like, do you have that motivation? Uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um I think it just comes with you You want to do the best you can and you know he's going to be one of the best. Um, so, yeah, you, if you want to go well, you've got to put him away. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, like, the talent coming through the ranks now is unbelievable. Like, there is – it's just gone to a new level. Like, the what's that you, you used to be able to do to win Worlds is just like – that's wouldn't even go to top five anymore. Like, it's yeah. it's unbelievable the, the new level that's come through. Do you reckon it's because of um, just a – you know, the, the advancements in sports science because you really come out through the peak period of when the science behind cycling training um, and the technology, of course, is really at the height, you know, and maybe it's not. Maybe 10 years' time will go even further. But do you reckon that's one of the reasons why it's the level has risen so much? Uh, on the track, yes. Road, I'd say people are just getting stronger. Uh, like the watts that you're doing on the road now are a lot more and. And yeah, the technology has got better on the road, but I think the, the biggest gain has come from people being stronger. But on the track, for example, like when you're, when you're at 115 RPM, which is what we race uh, teams pursuit at, um, yeah, and you're on the same gears, like there's, there's not as much room to move in power. Um, and that's where I think you really see the CDA come into it and the technology, which is like the power we were doing at the game wasn't much different to what we've ever done, but 
the technology that we're using is two or three seconds quicker. Um, wow. Like just, just riding the Olympic kit we had gave us two seconds of technology oh. without, without gaining power. So I think that's, that's where the biggest stuff comes. Um, and there's definitely a lot more research and tech going into the track side of things because it's, it's a game of millimetres. Uh, so if you can gain a tiny bit of CDA, you're, you're well ahead of the game. Um, it's kind of like yeah. Formula One, eh? Yeah, the, the point. Oh, where, it is. Yeah, about making the cars as fast as possible. Now the engines are sort of optimised. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so you obviously had a massive summer um, this year. Um, that must have been a real highlight for you. And it was pretty cool to watch as well. Uh, you know, I recall watching the road race and we were watching with some friends of mine. Um, yeah, when you were off the front solo. Yeah, um, yeah. Before, before you know, the lights went out. <laughs> yeah, well, it looked like you were always going to run away with it. Um, as you know, it was pretty crazy. Off the back of that summer, um, was that when, I guess, were you getting calls to, uh, you know, contracts and offers and that sort of stuff then, before then, before that summer? Uh, no, nah, nothing, nothing before the summer. Hmm. Uh, so straight after TDU's when it started, which was pretty unreal. Um, and then, yeah, I had had a few teams after TDU, um, not not where I'm at now. Um, and then after the TT, that cemented it and and topped everything off in a way. Uh, and that sort of gave me a, a choice. Um, and yeah, it was a bit of a no-brainer. I was this was my dream to come here. So it, when when that became a possibility, uh, it was I jumped straight on it. It wasn't it wasn't after TDU, but yeah, it was it was later down the track. Uh, and yeah, I've got I've got the team to thank for that. And Richie as well helped a lot with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's pretty cool, you know, that one longer stage. And mm. uh, <laughs> you know, Richie was up up head, and then you know, you're just steaming across, and uh, it was really cool to see, you know, because we're often we're so used to the same narratives on Wollonga Hill, TDU, you know, it's just like Richie, 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 he blows the doors off. Usually it's like, you know, he does the same. It's like a twofold attack. He attacks once, yeah. and then he attacks again. And then this time we just see something completely new and it was a pretty cool story, you know, and someone so young like yourself, um, it must have been really cool on that stage. Oh, yeah. Like he's, he's the king of Wollonga. Um, yeah. And to uh, be able to follow him, be able to watch what he does and how he rides it is pretty special. Um, and he went earlier than he's ever gone this year and he got the same <laughs> result. Like he's, he's pretty spectacular and he's nowhere near, he wasn't nowhere near his best form, but still good enough to, to put everyone away. Um, and yeah, as a as a team, we were all in for him there. He he did an amazing job the day before for for me, and he rode the front for 100k in the stage before. Yeah, um, and he didn't have to do that. Like he he easily could have won it himself, but he was there for the team. And I think for us, it was we we wanted to be able to repay him uh, with Wollonga, so we we tried to do a fair bit of work, which is pretty unreal to to see him finish it off as he always does. He always does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess you know, that moves me into the obviously joining the Enios Grenadiers. Um, I mean, what a team to join, um, especially as like you know a rider like what you are now. Um, it just seems like the perfect fit, and it must feel really good to have a couple of um, Aussies on the team as well. You know, and, and uh, obviously Richie and Worthy and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, like like you said, it was sort of was the perfect fit for me with the track background a bit. Like you've seen what they've done with with all their guys uh, with, through the track um, and turn them into pretty special, special things on the road. Uh, and also the other way is like the way they run is the exact same as CA, how Cycling Australia runs. It's the, well, a lot of them are old staff or uh, staff from, yeah. any, uh, from any of us have gone to CA. Yeah. So it's quite familiar setup. Uh, and I knew what I was going into. It's an English speaking team, like on the dinner table, I can sit there and join in on the banter rather than not speak the language. Um, and yeah, like you said, there's a, a great group of guys, Aussies, um, and just the Brits as well. Like we all we all get along super well. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty special. That's right. It must be a really good culture there. Um, and I guess when you were having, you said you had other teams after you. Not surprised at all. Um, I guess when you're getting the different offers um, coming in, do the teams try and offer like? Um, like incentives of what they could offer you? Like, say, for example, um, does one team say, look, we can offer X amount of time in a wind tunnel or better TT equipment or we'll improve our TT equipment? Or another team might say, you know, come to us, 
will offer you um, a start in a grand tour in your first year? Like, do they try and... Yeah, yeah, all that, all that. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah like exactly what you said. TT staff, grand tour staff, like when you do races, what races, they'll give you a calendar. Um, yeah, there's there's also a lot more that they, they can do. Like there was some pretty mind-boggling things that they threw out on the table, um, which was, yeah, I didn't know that stuff happens until like until they offer that sort of stuff um like not money like other things yeah. which is pretty like to to see what they're willing to do or race calendars that they're willing to give you um yeah it was it was interesting but for me it was just like it was the team that was the best fit not what who could offer the most or who could offer this and who could offer that um and like it's nothing it's no extra things that i'm getting at Ineos, but it's they've got the best equipment in the world they've got the best tt bikes they've got the best technology uh they've got the best fit sports scientists like what they do is is second to none. Um, and that's sort of why I wanted to go there. That was, for me, a lot of it was was the TT equipment at the same time. Um, yeah, like that's obviously what I, what I love and what my passion is for. And I know that what they do is better than anyone. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you're enjoying this episode with Luke. Um, what an absolute ripper. Uh, make sure you go and follow him on Instagram. He's got a great Instagram account and, um, yeah, really kind of gives a cool insight to what it's like over there as an Australian over in Europe in Girona, I think, where he's living. And um, while you're doing that, just go ahead and uh, pop over to the Press Room Podcast Instagram account. Give that a follow. Um, I'm posting lots of interesting things about the episodes and a few sort of um, bits and pieces about the pro cycling world as well that you should find interesting. So, um, yeah, give that a follow. Like the Facebook page. And if you're on Apple or Google, um, please leave a review. That'd be so good if you love this episode. It would really mean a lot to me. And um, if you're on the Spotify potty, which apparently 50% of the people are, um, hit follow. Let's boost that up. That'd be really good. And, um, yeah, share with your mates. If you haven't heard about it um, or if you know someone that hasn't heard about the press room, um, please tell them about them on the next Bunchy. When you chop them up in the sprint, just say, hey, look, that was from the press room podcast. Look it up. All right, legends, I'll leave you with the rest of the pod. Thanks again for tuning in. It means a lot. Cheers. Yeah, 100%, mate. Well, it shows. They got the world champ, right? Yeah, oh, exactly. It's pretty, it's pretty special riding, riding in a team with him when I uh, <laughs> raced Italy last week. Just having him in the bunch is just like, you you ride so much stronger because, one, you don't want him to make – you don't want to look real shit in front of him. Like, really, you want to show him that you can do something. But at the same time, you just ride with so much more confidence. It's like – I was explaining. It's like riding with, like, a bazooka in your back pocket. You're like – you just ride with confidence because you know you've got Filippo there. And people give you more space. People spread the road to let him through because he's just got he's got the respect from the bunch. So if you're with him, you just I just sat on his wheel all day and it was amazing to watch. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. That's a really good point. Um, he commands so much respect, and yeah, uh, and yeah, I guess having that, especially in in you know, your first pro races, to have someone there that can just part the waters because he's the king, um, yeah, is perfect. And I mean, so perfect for you because. You know all the things, and I'm sure he'll be able to give you um, advice and tips and all that sort of stuff on on time trialing. That must be mm. so cool. Yeah, I can't wait to. I've already started picking his brains a bit. Um, <laughs> but it's the same with like the track. Like we race each other on the track and the TPs. So I was like, oh, yeah. Like we we're talking about the Olympics and and his last turn and how stupid amount of watts he did. Like still don't mind boggling sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just. It's nice to be able to pick his brains, I guess, and like have similar interests. Yeah, hundred percent. You'll need to organise uh, in your first race together somehow. You know, um, pay one of the staff off to get you guys rooming together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lock him in there. Well, yeah, you don't actually room it together now with COVID. Everything's separate. Oh, of course. Really, so individual yeah. rooms. Yeah, yeah. Never used to be, but is now because of COVID. Not every place, but most places. Yeah. Oh yeah. Forget about that. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Makes me think of like some of the um, teams that might not have a greater budget, like a pro tour team or something. They might just have to cling wrap, you know, down the center of the room or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Protect it off. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's cool, man. Do you have uh, like a? Um, do you guys have like an early uh, like a team sort of get together um, camp or something at the end of the year or the start of next year? Yeah. yeah. So I go to Mallorca uh, all of December. We've got like a massive camp in Mallorca. Um, mm-hmm. So we 
we spend all of December there. We do a bit of admin in the first week, bit of medicals, and then in the second week we are uh, get training. Mm. Um, and it's nice because it's a bit warmer than where we are now. Um, and then in January again, there's another camp, but I won't be there for that because I'll come home for for Aussie summer. Um, cool. So yeah, they've got a camp in December and January. I think it keeps everyone together, but keeps them training in the winter too. Like keeps everyone a bit more motivated. Um, so yeah, that was sort of the the catch for me. I do the December camp, but then can go home and and race the Aussie summer and miss the January camp. Oh, done well there. That's cool. And is the yeah. is the camp? Um, I guess that's where you'll set like you'll get all set up on the equipment or yeah like uh, yeah for the new guys for the new guys yeah I was because I stagiaired I got set up really early which I was really lucky like I had the the bike for worlds this year which is cool yeah um that's the been for getting set up do you is it like a real like it's not just like a bike fit at the shops right it's pretty intense uh, so I back then I was in Girona living there um and then I flew to flew to Belgium no Italy to get a to go wind tunnel testing, then to Germany to do a bike fit, um, just with like the people they know, and then had to go to Italy again for a skin suit and things like that. Um, wow. So it's pretty cool, like the lengths they go to. Yeah. Wow. What was there anything that happened in the bike fit that you hadn't had before? Like, did you have to? Um, nah, not really. Pretty. Not steep. really. Yeah, yeah. Because well, I already had my position pretty dialed from my old bike, so it was just transferring that as close as you can. Um, but then at the same time, like how the bike interacts with you in the tunnel is different. So we have to change a few things there. Um, the skin suit's the hardest thing. Like that changes. Like right now, I wouldn't fit into the skin suit I had at Worlds, like during off season. So that's <laughs> like, you've got to constantly, constantly change that. Yeah. Like, wow. You'll see one side too far the other way. The skin suit won't work properly. Yeah. You like, lose all so, the aerodynamic benefit, right? Yeah. Wherever the seams are sewed, that's what changes everything. And it's like, if you're a bit bigger, then your seam's a bit more stretched over. If you're smaller, then your seam comes in a bit more, like in terms of like that's what it would do if you put it on and then it's out of shape. So you've got to have the seams done for every part of the season, every body shape, really. That's insane. Yeah, right. I guess, uh, um, yeah, it's it's funny when you see, um, they they talk about all the time, uh, the commentators on the races, uh, when they see a race, uh, you know, a rider who's in the breakaway and, uh, you know, his jersey's unzipped or something's mm. flapping or, you know, poor numbers and that sort of stuff. It's so important. And I was just looking today on, um, in fact, probably right, maybe not now. Is Dowsett might be writing now? No, or, in a few hours, a few hours. hours. Yeah. So, like, I was reading about his skin suit being optimised for obviously turning left on the track. Um, yeah. Oh, that Those skin suits from Vortec are pretty expensive, let's say. That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, I think we're talking like upwards of six k euro. Holy moly, jeez! Yeah, very expensive. <laughs> jeez, um, yeah, that is that's another level. I mean, mm. my skin suit costs three hundred dollars, and uh, <laughs> yeah, hit me the watch saving at the house. It's gonna happen. <laughs> uh, okay, um, uh, oh, okay, I've got a good one here. I um, I I do junior coaching. Luke, yeah, um, but for like sort of 12 to 15 year olds, yeah, and um, I get one of my kids, Campbell. He's uh, geez, you remember, do you remember watching that video? You would have seen it that kid in um, uh, Tour of Britain and he was riding alongside the race, yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. someone got the bottle. Just picture the Australian version of that kid. Um, that's yeah. his Campbell, an absolute legend. But he is asking a question for all the guests, all right? And he's got one for you. Yeah. All right, I'm just going to play it. This is Campbell's Corner, we've been calling it. How do you normally pace a time trial? Say if it's a 40K race, would you go easier or harder in certain parts? or distances? All right. That's a, that's a good one, but it's a very hard answer because every single course is completely different. So I can, the last pacing strategy I did was Worlds um, and we had a, a real big tailwind. Um, so it was like we had, what do we have? One, two, three, four, five, five straights basically. So we had the first five, first 5K was all tailwind. The next 3K was like proper, proper crossy. Then it was tailwind again, proper crossy the other way, tailwind to the finish. Um, 
So for me, that was probably the most complicated pacing strategy I've done because uh, the time to make up is in the crosswind. So I was pretty, pretty easy for the first 10K of that race and then emptied the tank in the crosswind. Um, and then the key after the crosswind was to punch punch out of the crosswind as hard as you can to get back up to speed with the tailie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as soon as you're back up to speed, almost just tuck and don't pedal, like hold the speed, hit the crossy again, 100%. Then when you turn back onto the tailwind, punch it, get up to speed again, and you're done. So it was a real weird TT in the fact that there was only two sections where you're going as high as you could go um, <laughs> because of the tailwind. Uh, then if you have nationals, for example, um, it's uh, completely different because of the, the hill at the start. So you're going full gas out of the start gate, getting back up to speed, and then you coast sort of on the highway because it's so fast because you've got to sort of work out where's the slowest part of the course because that's where you can make up the most time. Yeah. Where when you're going 55K an hour, if you pedal at 250 watts at 55K an hour, like you'd have to go 350 to go an extra K an hour quicker sort of thing. Um, so you've got to make up where it is. And then nationals as well, there's a downhill. So you've got to empty the tank before the downhill to be able to recover. Mm. So it changes for, changes for every course. Um, and it's very wind dependent or hill dependent. That's sort of the, the things that you do. So in, in hindsight for Campbell, you go, if there's a tailwind, hold yourself back. If there's a headwind, that's where you can make up the most amount of time. And if there's crosses again, the same thing. So you've got to, Break the course up into about five or six sections. You don't want to make it too complicated and have too many sections. Um, yeah, so nationals, I break up into four sections. Uh, and then worlds was five just because there was five significant straights and that was it. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's, it just uh, changes. That's uh, pretty 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 comprehensive. Um, Cam was going to tune my ear off in our next training session about that, that's for sure. Yeah, but see, the difference is I've got radio in races too. So I've got, I've got someone behind me also telling me like what to do, um, when to go hard. Like I know the race plan, but it's just that reassuring, like, all right, Clappy, you've turned this corner. Let's punch out of this to get back up to speed. Like you, you're, you're on a good speed. Don't pedal too hard now. Like hold your speed. Yeah. That's, so that's, that's very, helpful. it helps. Yeah. 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 It does help a lot. Okay. That's awesome. Thanks. That's a really good uh, insight. He'll love that. Campbell's uh, he's, I've lost count how many state titles he has. He's uh, only 11. <laughs> <He's>, uh, <laughs> love that. Love if, that. I think if he gets to 20, he gets a, um, a new mountain bike or something. It's uh, out of Love that. <laughs> um, okay, that's awesome, mate. Um, what do you think your first year in the world tour is going to look like? In terms uh, of like, what do you think? It's not like races, but like, I guess, experiences. Uh, I've... Oh. It's going to be interesting because, like, I haven't even raced on the road much ever. Like, in Oz, we're doing two races a year. Um, so it's just going to be, like, it's just going to blow my mind away, like, just the racing, I think, and just being able to learn every single race. Um, I've never rode on co- never raced on cobbles, never raced up a proper mountain. Like, we don't have them here. Yeah, exactly. So it's, I'm just going to be able to experience so much. And, like, the idea of what I think suits me just may, may be the complete opposite. Um, so I think for me, it's just going to be about learning uh, the whole time, gaining a bit of respect from other riders, hopefully in the peloton and, mm. and just, and just learning my way through. Uh, yeah. I, I've got no clue what to expect just because I haven't raced much. Like say some new Europeans, at least they've raced a lot yeah. um, and they understand what's going on where they're like, we race in Oz with 40 in a palo. Now we've got 250. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the Dutch and the Belgians do like four commises a week with 200 yeah. Right. yeah oh exactly and like lavanier this year i crashed stage one so i didn't actually get to race which would have been the best the best sort of head start yeah 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 that would have been uh that's a shame but that's okay it worked out pretty well in the end yeah it wasn't too bad yeah um all right well let's uh move on to uh mate olympics yeah good oh. and, okay and, you know mixed bag but in, outside of the result first um, it must have been really special to one get selected and then two like finally get there, right? Mm. Might sound weird. Getting selected was the best part. Yeah. Like 20 my March 2020. That was the day I got the phone call. Yeah. March 2020. March 15, I reckon it was. And that was the best, that was probably the best day ever. Wow. Um, yeah, from there it wasn't. Wasn't as, but that was because of the experience we had. Like a lot, a lot happened, a lot went wrong. Um, so yeah, I think getting selected, I think that's the dream. You always want to go to the Olympics, don't you? Yeah. Like you got to get there before you can dream about winning gold. Um, so I think, 
yeah, getting selected was amazing. That was sort of, yeah, one of the best memories I've had. And then, yeah, the whole COVID happened and we were lucky enough that we held our selection, even though COVID happened. Um, so we didn't have to get reselected as such. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but then it was just a, a really long wait and a really long build up. Uh, we lost a few artists to retirements. Yeah. yeah. It was it was a long time and a struggle for, for us, I think. Um, and it's, yeah, I don't know, we when when that happened with Port, it was just like, like what's what's going on now? Like, what have we done to deserve this sort of thing? Yeah, um, bad luck to, after bad luck. You know, yeah, it was. When that, um, obviously, you know, the, the bars failed on Porter, um, the camera, like, when you finally got around to the pen, the camera, like, zoomed in on you, on mm. TV, and, like, <laughs> yeah, what were you thinking at the moment? When obviously Port had come down to change, you must were you thinking, oh shit, you know, I might need to be on here. Yeah, so I just rushed to get ready just in case. Um, which probably wasn't the best thing because you probably should be ready anyway, but like you never thought that's gonna happen. Um, and it was all like Porter got back on and he did an absolutely amazing job considering like yes. he wasn't able to ride the next two days, so to be able to get back on and, and produce a ride when he was probably at his worst was was amazing. And he he was the reason that we got we got to fight for a medal in the end. Like he was, yeah. he was unbelievable. Um, and yeah, like, like every, everyone had their bad luck, didn't they? Like the, the Danes crashed. Yeah, the Danes, Kiwis. The Kiwis unfortunately crashed. Yeah. yeah. It was like really weird. In fact, you know what? The whole track um, program, there were just some, so many weird yeah. accidents and incidents, wasn't it? Like ridiculous. You almost never, or it's very rarely, do you see crashes on the track. As, as funny as that sounds, you know, and let alone in the Olympics. Not in TP. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There was like you know three or four. Yeah, um, ridiculous. But uh, you got to ride the bronze medal ride off. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I rode the the semi and the final. Was that the final? Yeah. No, I don't know. Don't know. We had five guys. I was. Probably on the outer, I just I wasn't feeling great. I had a few problems uh, leading into the games. Like I, mm-hmm. I was low on iron and and low on things, so I was pretty. I was I got a bit sick before that, um, so I wasn't going too good. But yeah, Porter, unfortunately, it was probably our best rider by by a bit going into the game, so that really hurt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was an awesome experience to be able to ride. Like it was it was unreal. You got to feel for the Kiwis, like they're our they're our closest mates. Like Corbin, who. Yeah, I'm here living with like he was he was one of them, and he he walked in the house and picked up my medal because it's just up on display here, oh. and I was just like I felt so like he's walked into my place and I felt so bad. Oh, the medals there. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like fuck, like, it hurts a bit. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to talk about it because you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, especially coming of the level of the Olympics. Um, yeah, and the way it happened too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, with that. When you got to ride the semi and then for the bronze medal uh, ride off, were you happy to like? Were you happy with your individual performance on that bronze medal ride off? Yeah, yeah, I was. I yeah. was. It was a as a team, to be honest. Like we did the best we could. Like it, it wasn't a PP time for us actually, but that's yeah. I think without if we had Porter, it could have been a lot different. Hmm. Like he was, he was flying. Um, uh, and I think we all believe that we could have we could have got that gold if if Porter was there, mm-hmm. and we didn't have anything happen into the running. Um, but yeah, I was I was happy with my ride. I think all of us were happy with our rides, considering considering yeah. what had happened. Like physically, we were fine, but mentally, that stuff just knocks you around, eh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even for for Alex to get back on the bike mm. straight after that, like, and even and to have the courage to believe that the bike is not going to do that again. You know, it's like yeah. it's like when you crash on the road in a crit or something, you're taking a corner, you know, there's next few corners, yeah, a little bit gingery because you oh you don't know, but like for the bars and the and, and particularly uh, on a start, you know, the power you're putting yeah. on the bike on a on a start for a track event is is hectic. So um you know, it shows a lot of character. Uh, mm. but, oh he's he's unreal. Yeah. Um I want to know. With the team's pursuit, I've never done a team's pursuit before. I've been a little bit on the track, but mainly road. Um, and a team's pursuit, really, at least for a lot of it, um, most people, it's pretty foreign. Um, yeah. At the highest level, what is the most challenging component of the team's pursuit? 
Like, is it the changes? Is it the start? Is it like, um, is one is a change at the start of a team's pursuit, like the first two or three changes, are they easier or harder than the last, like the last three? Or? No. The heart is, this will sound weird because people probably don't understand. The hardest part's changing tracks and racing at different tracks. So every track's a different shape, which changes where you have to swing. So you either swing at the middle of the band, start of the band, wherever. Every track, you change that. You have to change where you get back onto the team. But then you also have to change the line you ride. So say in Adelaide, we ride between the red and the black and the straights. Brisbane, we go up to the red. Like every track changes. And we know that with the tracks we're familiar to, so we can adapt really quickly. Get to Tokyo, you've got a week to, to learn a new track. Oh. Um, and then at the same time, like, you're, you're taping and you're racing and you're going at different speeds. And when you're at a different speed, it changes where your swings are. Um, wow. So I'd say, I'd say learning to adapt to different tracks is, is the hardest part because that then changes everything else. Like it changes where you ride, it changes your swing. Yeah. It changes your lap times. Like Tokyo is a rapid track. It's one of the fastest in the world mm. uh, compared to Adelaide, which I'd say is one of the slowest. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, so it's like where you change on Adelaide and how you get back or how high you go on the bank to then come back down is different to where you do it on a faster track because it's faster. The team's coming underneath you quicker. So you got you can't go as high because you'll miss them. Mm. Um, and then doing that in your second turn, like when you're a bit more fatigued and you're not thinking as straight, is even harder. Jeez, that's a yeah. really good answer. I've never thought about that. I, I know that um, the listeners will love that because, yeah, the tracks are different and Maybe if you're just riding the track easy, you know, you might not notice the difference, but at those speeds, right, all those tiny changes. Yeah. Worth a well, in a, bunch, in a bunch bike, you don't notice it as much either. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, or like, but on a TP, you notice every every little bit, like every bit. And then the bunches, can, like what you want for a, for a team's pursuit shape is a lot different to what you want for a bunch shape as for my type of rider. Like Perth is an unbelievable track for a bunch, for a bunch for bunch riding for someone who's like me a bit lighter like cam Meyer or someone loves perth track mm-hmm. because of the the what's the word for it the transitions between the track the straight and the bank is really steep transition where the mm-hmm. other ones like adelaide it's very smooth like you don't really feel the the big dip mm-hmm. so yeah it it's funny how every track changes so much and how you race it mm-hmm. is yeah is well the cheese my uh the WA community will be frothing at the mouth so if you just said you love Perth. Um, <laughs> Not for Teams Pursuit, though. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, for Bunch Road. Well, we don't really have Teams Pursuit in WA. Yeah. If we did, it might be, well, we might only have two people uh, competing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we've got to start somewhere. Uh, is, a week, a week's, is a week long enough to, to learn a new track? No. Well, well how long you, would you, you learn? You learn to adapt in a week. If that makes sense, like you, yeah. you learn to. So we've got specific sessions that when we get to the track, when we get to any event, uh, we've got two track familiarization sessions, and within those sessions, we've got specific efforts that help us adapt to the track quicker. Oh. So in a lead up to a race, we won't do a race strategy on the track because that you're changing every two laps. So in in the week leading up to it, we're doing half lap swings every lap, every half lap, and we're doing a change to help learn the banks and learn the swings and where the entry line is. Mm. Um, yeah, it's you. So we've learned to adapt, but obviously the longer you have, the better we, I don't personally think we adapted quick enough to Tokyo, but I don't think anyone did either. Like yeah, yeah. that track surprised everyone how it rode, uh, especially the straights, which again, you're like, well, they're straights. Like there's no different, but they were at Tokyo, which, which threw everyone off a bit. Um, yeah. It's fascinating. It is really fascinating. I'm loving this one. Loving this. Um, with the, just the last thing to touch on on the track, what do you think is the, um, like, what do you think, what personally helps you the most as a road rider, as a road cyclist um, from the track? You know, what is it about the track that you think translates well into the road in terms of performance? Like, is it, um, say, for example, um, like, sprinting you know like sprinting or the like rate of force development is that sort of better the feel and control you adapt and have to your body you got no you got no computer on the track and you learn to you learn to 
control yourself or know how to empty the tank within a certain amount of time. Like you really know your body and learn how to control your effort. Um, you're really smooth because when you've got four guys behind you, you can't be on and off the pedals. Like you just got to be so consistent. Um, and you learn to, you learn how to get the most out of yourself. You learn how to be still, you learn how to be controlled, uh, which especially helps for TTs. But because you're not looking at a computer telling you what to do, you've got to, you've got to ride at 650 watts, but know what that is. Like you can't go too high, can't go too less. So you just learn how to measure your efforts the best way, um, which I think you can take that out onto the road beautifully. Mm. Uh, yeah. So I'd say you, you learn the feel of your body and the feel of the bike uh, and your muscles uh, better than you'll ever learn on the road because you've got a computer in front of you. Like you look down, you're like, oh, okay, that's what I'm doing. Like I'll back it off further on the track. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you don't get it right, you're not winning. Yeah, yeah, I like it. That's great. Uh, okay, well, you said you're going to come back to uh, the Aussies, oh, the Aussies, Australia for oh. nationals, which is very good. I was, um, I'm very happy to hear about that. Uh, are you more motivated to win the or to try and win the road race or the the time trial this year? If you could choose one. Uh, oh. Look, it's, I'm coming in with a very different prep. Like I'm going to have six weeks not riding a bike at the moment during off season. Um, <laughs> Richie, mode. like, just to, yeah, just to prepare for next year, just to yeah. not burn out. Because I found like this year, especially, I uh, starting so early in January, like going so hard, it it took its toll towards the end of the year. But oh, I think you'd love to you'd love to train every single day and race every single day in an Oz jersey, which <laughs> is the road race. I think like there's nothing more special than that, really. Like TT, you get to wear it once or twice a year whether like every single time you put on a kit it's going to have Aussie stripes on it would be pretty special I think so Definitely. but at the same time it's a lot harder it's a lot harder to win the road race because there's 200 guys in the race compared to 20 that enter a TT definitely definitely and the Aussie jerseys well, I'd love for you to win the Aussie jersey or um, or someone like Ewan or Durbo only because and no disrespect to the previous winners uh, of the road race we just haven't seen the jersey enough in Europe, you know, like it just hasn't been prominent. And yeah, the sad thing is with with Cam when he the last two years, COVID's you know taken so much time away from him. But when he would even be racing, often his job would you know usually be done by the time um, you know there's lots of cameras on and that sort of stuff. And like for sure, for sure, yeah, like it would be. I think Caleb Caleb wearing it would be awesome, but we've got to get him back to Oz for that. Yeah, I know, I know. Maybe he's uh, he'd probably come back to Oz, but in uh, November. Or whenever yeah happens, you know <laughs> yeah exactly um no i think next next year like i think even at wollongong like if he can win the world that'd be pretty special like right. seeing him post up every every tour to france stage and the rainbows that'd be unreal yeah that would be hectic i'm proud i don't know who the organizers are who's putting the race course together but uh, it'll suit him well in my head i think they're going to build a a, 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 a sam ramo style course yeah you yeah, know, you're on the money, a, few, yeah. a few hills close because you have to, but you know, not enough that all that'll yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. You're on the money there. And it's got to be a circuit. Like that's the rule. It's got to be a circuit. But yeah, you're on the money with that with that course. And the TT's 36k. It's quite short. Very short, to be honest. Wow, that's interesting because um, found that out yesterday. So it's not released, but yeah, found out the course length yesterday. Wow, the inside scoop. Nine it's very days. short. In Perth, the inside scoop. Um, well, fingers crossed anyway. Uh, that'd be so sick. Uh, okay, mate, I've got one, two more questions here. Okay. All right. All right. What level on uh, Zwift are you? Don't do Zwift. Hate it. Zwift. Cannot stand it. No, no. Zwift. Okay. Do not, can't do ergos. Cannot stand them. Really? No ergos even with nothing? Well, I got forced to when I broke my elbow for Worlds and had to. That was the first time I've done ergos. Like, got forced to do them for Worlds training. And it was, it's why I'm so burnt out and need so long off the bike at the moment. Like, it it takes its toll. But yeah, cannot stand Zwift. Like, absolutely cannot stand it. Very interesting. Okay. Um, what's the favorite bit of um, Ineos Grenadiers kit that you've received? Oh, the kit. Skin suit's pretty unreal. <laughs> yeah. oh that's a good answer does it does it beat the um the the aussie olympic bum bag uh, now nah, the the aussie the bucket hat was pretty cool too <laughs> from the from the games all right no actually i take that back the high top converses the dunlop volleys oh did the you dunlop high tops yeah yeah we got high tops and lows volleys that's insane. unreal 
They, yeah, yeah, unreal. Like full white and then green and gold stripes, high tops. Like, oh, they were pretty good. I, I wouldn't wear them. I'd just keep them fresh in a little box or something. Oh, I rocked them every day at the track. Like, rocked up to the track wearing high tops, bum bag, bucket hat. Like, you got to embrace it. <laughs> you do, mate. That's cool. I love that. You got to get bloody Ineos on uh, to start making, you know, some real cool kit, you know? Yeah, yeah. A bit out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool, man. Well, uh, look, thanks again for um, for coming on the podcast. It's so cool to have, you know, someone like you on, on um, you know, my pod and uh, share some really cool insight, you know, because the, the cycling media is good in Australia, but you don't really get to know um, riders and, and hear some of the insight that you've just given us, man. Yeah, no, thank you, mate. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, sweet, man. Well, um, enjoy your off-season, bro, and um, we're going to be, uh, yeah, cheering you on in the Aussie summer when you're back here, and uh, good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Appreciate it a lot. Ah, bro. Thanks, Luke. Take care. episode five done and dusted big thanks to luke platt for coming on the pod and sharing all those stories with us it's going to be so good uh having him at nationals this year in that ineos grenadier kit oh he's going to be absolutely rapid and um look we'll all be following him eh, in his first season in europe and uh look forward to seeing how he goes so a big thanks to him and a big thanks to you for tuning in yet again so if you really like the podcast, uh, make sure you, you follow the Instagram, leave a review on Apple, Google, follow on Spotify, and uh, you know tell a mate about it. And next time you're on the bunchy, just look to your right and say, hey, you go to the press room? And uh, if they haven't, well, give them an earful, all right? So uh, next week, episode six, we're going to be uh, changing the tune slightly, all right? We're going to the dirt, we're going to the cyclocross, and we've got a very, very talented cyclocross racer, who is competing in the World Cup Series at the moment. And, oh, geez, with Vanderpol, Van Art, Pidcock coming back into the fold. He's got some work to do. So I uh, can't wait for that episode, and it should be really good for the cyclocross community. So, legends, I will see you next week. Peace.